0: Trust has to be earned. It's a perk. You've earned it. You do great work. We trust you. You can work from home. And the more and more people see, you actually get more done when you work from home. There's
1: a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed
0: throughout the world, but opportunity is not. Technology is creating a market for
1: things that never had a marketplace before. It's going on all around us. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent. Is the individual. Companies today are facing a global war for talent. At the same time, talent with the skills that companies are fighting over want more flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. Talent now has a choice, and this is pushing companies to change. We will bring together thought leaders, staffing experts, and independent workers to talk about the changing nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to attract the talent that will alter the course of their business to ensure success as the pace of technological disruption increases. Welcome to the Talent Economy. I'm your host, Paul Estes. My guest today is Michelle Levy, the VP of People at TopTal. After 25 years of sitting in a physical office, Michelle decided it was time to ride the wave of location-independent work. At TopTal, she cultivated a company culture that brings in the best talent for the right jobs and even deters others.
0: My name is Michelle Labby. I am the VP of People here at TopTel. I joined exactly a year ago today.
1: Happy anniversary.
0: Thank you. I have been in the HR slash people recruiting world for over 20 years. I've been at big, well, when it was the big six accounting firms, now it's the big four, if that even exists anymore. I've been at agencies. I have been at startups. And I have been at hyper-growth startups the last few jobs that I have had in the tech space. So very familiar with building cultures, building talent, engaging talent, hyper growth, quick hires, and all of that, that that entails.
1: Really excited to talk to you today because talking to someone from HR who is managing a pretty sizable organization where everyone is remote makes people's heads explode. <laughs> you know, if you are at a traditional company you know, HR is there, you sit in a meeting room, you you can walk down the hall or manage folks. But before we get into what it takes to manage a fully distributed team, I want to talk about your move to working remotely because I I heard similar to mine, it's sort of a personal decision that you made a year ago to start working in a different way. So tell me a little bit how that happened.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I will tell you, I'm starting to be adverse to the term HR. I really think that that's kind of going in the way of way back when, when it was called personnel (laughs) and now it's HR and, you know, oh, the HR people are watching you. So I I really am trying to, which is why my title and my team is the people team.
1: I will not say that you work from the uh, personnel department.
0: (laughs) It's just a term that I feel like we've evolved so much. And sometimes HR comes with old school connotations. And really, it's more about people and culture and working together. That's great. So I was at a firm doing public relations and investor relations. I was there just about five years and I got a call from a recruiter at TopTel. I had never heard of TopTel, never heard of a fully remote, yes, HR role as it was described to me. Thought, wow, that's interesting. How does that work? Because most people, you're right, HR is in the office It's very in-your-face, location-based, meeting with people in person, and very much presence in the office on a daily basis. So that very much intrigued me. And last year, right around this time, my son was a senior in high school. This was my last year with him at home, knowing that he was going to go away to college, not within the state that I live in, at least. My mother is a widow now in Florida and I would love the opportunity to say, you know, I don't have to be here. I can be anywhere that I want to be. I'd like to be closer to my son for this last year that he's at home and then once he goes off to college, I could go visit him in college. I could go stalk him in college and and be close <laughs> to him for, you know, I could stay there for a few weeks if I wanted to or I was going to say if he needed me, but he really doesn't.
1: I was trying to think when I was going off to college, if my mom was remote and my mom was sitting outside of the dorm room (laughs) kind of working (laughs) while I was in college.
0: Yes. And now I'm like, oh, you know, he's in a nice location. This is a nice place to be in the spring. Maybe I could stay, you know, a half hour away. (laughs) Or even earlier this year, you know, my mother had to have surgery. She lives in Florida. I could go work there for two weeks and it doesn't matter where you are. Not only was TopTel in the space that I have been in with recruiting and talent and placing talent at companies, which is, you know, the world I have lived in for years, so I could relate to our mission, I was intrigued by this, what does this mean to be 100% remote? You know, one of the things that I wasn't used to is the Zoom Slack culture that we live in. So it was a quick adjustment for me, but it was also something that was really quite rewarding. TopTel does not use email internally, barely at all. We don't send emails to anybody. We Slack with everybody. And I think the thing that really was surprising is I feel almost closer to the people on the executive team or my team or the people that I work with than I would being in an office. And what I mean by that, and I think this is really the interesting and rewarding place is that someone wants to talk to you. They used to walk by my office, knock on my door. Hey, Michelle, do you have a second? Come in, shut the door and have a conversation. And now they slack me. Hey, Michelle, you got a second? And they Zoom and they appear on my screen. So I'm looking at them, right? And so there's just more of an engagement. And I feel like people are more in a relaxed setting. They're in their home office. They're in their living room. Their dog's at their feet. Their laundry's going in the other room. And it's just more of a relaxing environment than in an office where people are walking by and it could be stuffy. You're really having a private conversation with people.
1: And nobody's looking, walking by the office, seeing who's there and...
0: Nope, and you're in the comfort of your own home. You feel comfortable having conversations. And I feel like it's even more personal. You know, people are getting to know you with whatever's in the background, you know, you could have a picture hanging or a, a quote hanging or, you know, my dog jumps on my lap half the time. And so it's just much more comfortable and casual in a way that's non-threatening or confrontational.
1: We were actually having a um production meeting for this show the other day and that one of the writers was at her lake house in Michigan and her cat was jumping on her shoulder and somebody else, like we had that experience and we spent probably five or 10 minutes just talking about each other's lives in a way that I don't think I connected with people at the office. I think there's something to this. It's more personal because one of the things I thought would happen is I'd be disconnected from people. You know, if I didn't have the proverbial water cooler, well then lose my connection with people. And I've I've sort of experienced what you're saying. It's, It's actually more personal connection in a lot of ways.
0: If you're that person that's working remote and everybody else is in the office, you do lose that, right? Because you could be in a meeting with somebody and someone or a couple of people are remote, which I've experienced before in my career. I've always been the one that's been in the office, but we've had people remote and you hang up with a meeting and that person gets disconnected, but the conversations kind of still happen in the room.
1: And that's where like, and a lot of times that's where some of the decisions and next steps and the important parts of the meeting happen.
0: Right, and so I think that you know that element is taken out here. So we're already set up to be a hundred percent remote. So every single person is in the same situation.
1: One of the things that people often talk about who don't come from a remote first culture or fully distributed culture is how do I trust? In an office culture, the boss comes by, and you know I was thinking office space and Mister Lundberg, but you know the <laughs> boss the boss comes by and sort of checks on you, and you know, we can have like a quick team meeting, but in a remote culture you have to take this trust leap that everybody is off doing their work and living the the company's mission or delivering the outcomes. How do you help people think about trust as you move from the traditional environment that you were in to the new environment?
0: One thing is because we are remote only, right? It is not the right place for everybody. So for instance, we don't hire a lot of or barely any entry-level folks, right? So kids coming right out of college, they need to be in that office. They need to have the guidance. They need to work with people, right? Because this is their first foray into the working world. Whereas the people that we hire at TopTel are very, you know, they're subject matter experts in their field. And we go through a pretty rigorous recruiting process to make sure that we're getting the right people. So every person is having, you know, there are multiple interviews. There's an assessment that somebody has to do to provide you know, a writing assignment or how they think about a process or an analytical assessment, whatever it might be, so that we really can see that this person knows what they're talking about. And then they also go through a culture interview. we very much talk about our culture and what it's like. And we're looking for those things to make sure that they are self-motivated, good communicators, show accountability and pride in their work. And for the most part, you know, we are on Slack. So you, you know, that little green button is next to your name. So it shows that you're online and working and available. It is a leap of faith and we do trust people. I think we're very good about making sure people know what their role is, what their goals are, what they have to hit. We, we go by quarterly OKRs and people know what they have to work on each quarter and they have to hold themselves accountable. So, so it doesn't happen. I mean, yes, every once in a while. But I, you know, in the year I've been here, there have not been many people. Can maybe think of one or two that have not been able to keep up with the pace, or have gone missing, or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, somebody who's gone through the process with Toptal, I would say that you know, and I've been through the one with Amazon. but I've been through a number of different interview processes, and I, I would say that it's very similar to the Amazon process, where there is a very rigid. Assessment, I did a bunch of writing. and then there was a number of interviews where I felt it was bi-directional. I never felt in the conversation that I was being how many ping pong balls fit in a 747. It was more a conversation to see if there was a fit and to test if my subject matter expertise was a fit for what the company was looking for. But also there's, there's a lot of power in trusting and empowering people based on, hey, these are the outcomes. go. And I've noticed in the fully distributed team, Everybody knows where the boat's going. And so you just feel it's natural to reach out to people and, and have very fluid conversations as, as you're going. There's not a ton of structure, which I thought would be a, a detriment, but it's really not.
0: No, it's a huge sense of collaboration here. And you asked me what are the good and the bad earlier. And to me, that was one of the things that really has stood out since the day I started. Since we're fully distributed and we're worldwide, we have such a very diverse talent group with different opinions from people all over the world with different backgrounds and everybody is willing to help somebody. You know, you just say, I'm not sure how to do this and people will raise their hand to help you, check in with you. I can send a message to people that I don't know. They'll immediately get back to me. What can I do for you? We're all rowing the boat in the same direction. So I think people really want, you know, we're all here for the same mission. And I think therefore we all are the, have the same cultural attributes to make us successful. So most of the time, people really want to be here and be running in the same direction. And trust is never an issue. It's like, nope, they want to be here. We're all working hard. Let's get this thing going.
1: I don't know anyone's title, really. And I don't know where they sit in the org chart, which is, I think, a big structural difference for me because a lot of times, and, and you look, you over the past 20 years, I'm sure you've experienced this, especially back in the day in big consulting, A VP or even the CEO of the company jumped on a Slack the other day and was like, how can I help? And provided some feedback and then was gone. You know, and so you don't feel the org chart and you don't feel the positions. You feel a bunch of people trying to help accomplish something.
0: Yes, we are not hierarchical here at all.
1: A lot of companies say that they're not hierarchical. They empower all the way at the line level, but then they have like an org chart and then everybody has a title and then you have a bunch of levels and stuff. Here, it's almost like it doesn't exist.
0: I mean, people know their jobs. We're not somebody that adds a bunch of people to a team, right? I think all of our teams run pretty lean. We hire what we need when we need it, and I think that everybody kind of respects what everyone's doing. No one says, you know, I remember in my last couple of companies, someone would be like, "Oh, well, that's not it. That that's above my pay grade." That was my least favorite line because someone didn't want to do something or make a decision. And here, it's everyone's jumping in to help. People slack our CEO all the time and ask him questions. They could even ask somebody else, but he encourages it. I get questions. I got one today about something that someone wanted that somebody on my team does, but I don't mind when anybody asks us questions. Again, all here to help, distributed workforce. It doesn't matter.
1: And also there isn't this feeling of, well, you went above my head experience again in the past couple of months is people just want the answers and keep moving. Nobody's precious about where the information comes from. And there's also this expectation of you know, hyper transparency. So information just keeps flowing and you kind of plug in and it's, it's this really interesting thing.
0: Well, and you have to kind of give up control. It's it's also trusting, yes. right? Like our CEO will, will see something in a channel and ping somebody on my team and a recruiting question, right? He's not asking me, he's going directly to them. And I don't even know about it and it doesn't bother me, right? So you also have to let that go to know that people are just going to ask the people, go directly towards them. You're not going to say, oh my gosh, who, whose toes am I going to step on? Who do I have to go through to get this one question answered? It, I don't even think that thought comes into most people's heads here.
1: Yeah. It's absent the judgment that often comes with, oh, you went to my boss because you don't think I I could provide the answer, or you went to my person because you don't trust me as a senior leadership team.
0: Yeah. I haven't seen that here.
1: One of the advantages of being fully distributed is that you sort of buy into it as a person on the team or a member of the team, you buy into the culture and you buy into that way of working. As you go out to other people, leaders that are thinking about their talent strategies or how to implement different innovations, what do you advise to companies that are not remote first that may be saying, hey, I want to help my business implement remote policies or find a more transparent way to work, but it's a culture change. Are you starting to have those conversations with like leaders that are in people positions?
0: Yes, I am. And what's interesting is there's two trains of thought here, because one of the things that I'm hearing the most is people who are in the office are trying to go remote, right? Versus us who started remote. So that was just the way we always knew, right? Versus, okay, we're in the office. We're running out of space. Our lease is astronomical. You know, we want to try to hire people in different offices or different locations because we can't afford New York and San Francisco anymore, right? So really, it's a mind shift because there are people, if you've worked in the office and you've seen people and work with them for years, you trust them. So if they start working remote, you've already seen their work, they've proven themselves and now they can go work from home. Because you're downsizing your office or don't want to pay for the space or somebody's moving because of a personal situation and you let them go remote, right? So there's that shift in mindset. The number one thing that makes us successful in my mind is our tools. Aside from making sure we have the right people, it's making sure we have the right tools and technology because the Zoom for us is critical here because you're in person and looking at somebody. Again, you're not even calling into a meeting where, you know, there's no video, you're just on a call, you're on mute and you're multitasking, right? So when you are in this culture and you're on Zoom, you are looking at that person, they know if you're not paying attention and you're having a conversation.
1: I think that's been one of the biggest changes for me is that is always being on video. Like I now how I get dressed to come to work because I'm talking to people face to face
0: well, only from like
1: the chest up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always It's like the news anchors, like you're always wearing shorts, but your, your suit looks great, right? People also design their offices so that they show up well, you know, just like you would in a you know, standard office, kind of want to have pride and pictures up and, and stuff like that. And I've noticed that a lot of people design their backgrounds so that when they jump on a Zoom, it, it looks that they're proud of their surroundings. Like you said, maybe it's a picture of their kids or a vacation that they took or a hobby that they have.
0: And I think that the tools are very important for remote, right? Because if you want to talk to somebody and it goes back to that trust thing, if your boss is looking for you and they're like, hey, can you jump on a Zoom and you get right on and you're sitting in your office, they know that you're there working, right? You're not missing or in your car driving or whatever it is. And and I think the other thing that's great here is nobody cares where you are physically located, right? If I decide to go to Florida for the next month, I don't have to tell anybody, you know, it doesn't matter where you are. If I work from Starbucks tomorrow because my power is not working, you don't have to alert anybody. It's just a given. It's odd.
1: It's odd that I've always felt weird that grown-ups, adults who are professionals, had to go ask permission. Oh, my mom's having surgery. May I please go and, and visit her for a couple? Like, there's this freedom that comes with being an adult, a responsible person who's gonna show up and do good work and there's nobody to ask anymore. It's one of those things that feels very natural to me versus something that's, I don't know, it was a very freeing experience to say, oh, I get to decide when I go take the kids to the doctor, or when I go see my dad, who similar to your situation is, you know, having surgeries and stuff, or when I take the kids to school or when I go for a run and there's nobody to ask and there's no judgment.
0: One of the things I feel like I've really learned this year and the mind shift that I've had coming from where I've been is that at TopTel, you know, your life and your location fit into your work and not vice versa. Your work doesn't dictate where you live or how you live your life.
1: One of the things that you mentioned earlier that is important is the culture. Explain to me a little bit about the key tenets of TopTal's culture and how does the culture root the organization into, you know, accomplishing the mission?
0: When we are recruiting for people, we publish our cultural attributes on our website so that everybody sees them, even, you know, it's open to the public. And when we're recruiting folks, we, our recruiters at the very first stage, share our culture page with potential candidates because we really want to make sure everyone reads what we value and what we've seen as successful hires at TopTel.
1: And what are some of those core values?
0: Driven, ambitious, challenging, unifying, revealing, helpful, understanding. We share those with folks and and we've had people that have opted out once they've read our cultural attributes page. And that's fine. I would rather them say, you know what, this isn't the right place for me. Everything we do into those cultural attributes. So when you're interviewing, you have your very last step before you're hired is a cultural interview. And you might be really great at the job, but if you're not going to be a culture fit and this has happened, people have been turned away because they're not the right culture fit. We also, when we do annual reviews, everybody is graded on the cultural attributes. It comes in many forms. And it also, in real life, while you're in a meeting, for instance, people challenge each other. And that's part of what we do. People say, you know, call somebody out, not in a mean way, but hey, we sh- could be doing this better. We need to work better on this. What's going on here? And, you know, it, I don't want to say someone has to have a thick skin, but you have to realize it's not something personal. It's everybody wants to be the best and wants, you know, we have high expectations. We have very smart people that work here and we move very quickly. And as long as people understand that these, this is what's weaved into our culture and how we operate daily then that's really what's going to make somebody and TopTel successful.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things, you know, we we talked about being a remote first culture, but it's also a collaboration first culture. So the expectation is very different than some hierarchical structures that have titles. You're expected to collaborate. You're expected to make, you know, good things even better and push on ideas to make them better. And everybody has the diversity of experience and the diversity of backgrounds that everybody comes from, both where they live and, and what they do is celebrated and respected. And, and everybody's really curious, I would say, is in my experience.
0: And, you know, if people are on a meeting and they're like, oh, you know what? We should get someone else's opinion because we're not the best in this. Let's bring somebody else into this meeting. You know, it's also very thoughtful.
1: You're a slack in a zoom away.
0: Yeah. And so it's like, hey, we don't want to make this decision. Someone else might have a better answer. So yep. I think that's also because we're striving for this greatness we want to utilize our resources and our
1: people. Let's talk about some of the challenges that you've experienced. Let's say there's uh, somebody out there who's, you know, got a remote team and and really struggling to know, you know, how do i know when things aren't working? How do i support the the business and the teams to really help them understand when things aren't working? What's advice that you would give to people when you've seen things go sideways, like the canary in the coal mine? Some, you know, tactical things that you've seen specifically around remote work?
0: Well, I can tell when someone's not working out for in a number of ways. So we do a pulse survey every other month. It's a quick two question. How would you rate your happiness? And would you recommend this place to work? People rate their numbers and it is not anonymous because again, that's against our culture. If they rate a low number or if they don't even reply at all, then I know something's wrong or you know, people that are usually communicative, you can always tell when something's going on with somebody because everything's in a group or in a group chat or on a group Zoom call. If somebody's extra quiet, they're not speaking up, they're not chiming in on Slack, it's usually some signs that they're struggling. I have had, even on my team, I hired somebody earlier this year that had just moved from her home in the East to Texas and she was highly recommended by another employee. And I had said to her, you know, she seemed to be quieter than usual and struggling a bit. And one of the things that I was worried about with her is that she had moved to a new city and didn't know anybody and then was working in this remote culture. And I think that that also, you know, you have to have a life outside of TopTel. Because when you are remote, you're sitting in your house all day long. So at the end of the day, you need to be able to leave your house and have a network or somewhere to go, the gym, a club, something to do with friends so that you, ha- you have something to look forward to. So many people who work in offices meet all their friends in an office.
1: Yeah, it's very social. Like It's, it's part of your social experience.
0: So I, when I'm interviewing people, I really look to say, you know, do you have a network? What are you looking for? Have you ever worked remote before? Because it is an adjustment and it's hard for some people. And this person that worked for me, ultimately, it didn't work out for her, even though she had worked for someone on my team before and came highly recommended. Culture for her of just being in her house all day long and she was a quieter person just did not work. And I think you have to watch out for the signs of people that are kind of isolating themselves. And because you said, you know, we're such a collaborative, over-communicative culture, when someone is not doing that, it's a red flag.
1: One of the things that's really important, I think, in your work is coaching people. Maybe somebody's a subject matter expert. Maybe they were a good culture fit. But, you know, to your point, maybe working remote is new and they move to a new town. How, in your experience, is coaching and helping employee development different in a fully distributed model as compared to traditional models?
0: So we just made somebody uh, on my team, she got promoted to be a wellness and engagement manager. And so one of the things that we work on because we're remote is to try to get people together that have like interests. So for instance, you know we have a huge top tell freelance network. We publish a calendar of community events. Even though we're scattered throughout the world, there are some people that work or live close to you. So we share people's locations. We try to do community events so that people see folks in person. We also have a bunch of different Slack channels. We have something called the Donut Channel. So people will automatically get matched with someone that they never work with to have what we call coffee and donut conversations. We have all these channels, whether it's at Pet Lovers or Working Moms. There was a Game of Thrones channel. There's a gardening channel. And people really engage with people who have like interests. And share movies or cooking tips or whatever it is to really feel like they have people that they can talk to and get to know at a different level, even though they might be across the world, but they all have common interests. And so we try to do things like that. We also publish like, look at what my my workspace looks like. So we share what, you know, some people have standing desks, some people have new monitors. So we try to share like things so people can feel like, oh, I can make my home office look like that too or we're going to start doing fitness challenges. So really it's about engagement for people all over TopTel, no matter where they live.
1: What is a small piece of advice? So let's say there's someone listening right now saying, that sounds great. Yeah, we've been talking about this in meeting after meeting after meeting, and I'd like to try it out. What do you recommend to organizations that don't have robust remote programs? How do I get started?
0: If you want to take it slowly, I think you start giving people the option to work from home a few days a week. I think the biggest challenge that we find even with our clients is that people just aren't comfortable with it. They're still so used to this. I mean, even my last company and the last few companies, you know, they want to make sure that they can see you. But as you go into this, you're just going to have to trust. And the people that will shine, you let them work from home, whether they have a longer commute, you make it open to folks, but you have to make sure you have the technology in place, right? So whether it's a company internet or a company whether it's Slack or some other, my last company had an internal one that we used. People started to work remote there. Getting that trust, getting over the hump of, let me see if people can work from home and get their work done. Because that's what's going to make people feel more comfortable. Whether it's the senior people or the people that have been, or you let them earn it. Let's say they've been working at your company for a year. So they earn the right now if they want to work from home two days a week.
1: It's amazing how many companies talk about trust, but when it comes down to saying, I trust you to manage your work and your life, they're like, no, here the policy is that you'd have to be here at nine and you can, or eight and you have to leave at five. Like when you start talking about trust in a professional setting.
0: If you're gonna switch to that model and start making that move, it's something you have to earn. I mean, trust has to be earned and it's a perk. I think while companies are trying to go through that transition, it's a perk. You've earned it, you do great work, we trust you, you can work from home. And the more and more people see that actually, you actually get more done when you work from home because you're not walking to the kitchen and running into three people and having a wasted 45 minute discussion, or you're in the ladies room or you're sitting in traffic or wherever it is that's wasting all this time. You're actually much more efficient in getting things done.
1: Having experienced a different, I would say I'm probably 25% more productive working this way than a traditional office.
0: Easily. And as long as you feel like people have know what their work is, right? They're grownups. You give them an assignment. They're doing their job. If they're a client-facing role, as long as they have... We used to make sure at my last company, especially if we had work from home, we, our office was under construction for a month. So we all had to work from home for a month. And our phones in the office were forwarded to our cell phones you know you have to make sure that people can reach you at all times that you're showing online on the instant messenger so people know that they can reach you everybody has their cell phone number so you're reachable and you're doing your work that's all that you need to do and it should just be more comfortable after a while
1: so this section is my one of my favorite sections of the podcast it's called the rapid fire question section i've got a bunch of questions that you have not seen I want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Now, one of the things that we've implemented, because it's not fair for me just to ask you some rapid fire questions, you get to ask me some as well. So at the end of this, if you'd like to ask two questions that I have no idea what you're asking, I will answer. I feel safe that I'm talking to the people and culture person.
0: This is no. not like, what's his name with who asked you what your favorite swear word is? No.
1: <laughs> this is right. Inside not.
0: the actor studio. All right,
1: no. <laughs> what's one thing about you that's not on your LinkedIn profile?
0: First thing that comes to mind is that, and I say this to people that are close to me, when I die on my headstone is all I wanted to say is that she was a great mom. I don't care about how much I work and I work a lot, but as long as my son says you are the best mom, that's all that I care about.
1: Step one, start working remotely. Yeah. (laughs) If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why?
0: You know, it's interesting. I actually would love to have traded jobs with My grandfather, who was in the makeup business way back when, when Max Factor first started and he got to go to all these lavish places and meet all these movie stars and talk about makeup. And I'm not a makeup person. When I was with him, he had already retired and I used to hear these grand stories about him. And I would love to have just lived his life for a little while. That's awesome.
1: If you were stranded on a tropical island, what two things would you bring with you?
0: Oh, God, that's a tough one. Paul, you should prep me for these questions. (laughs) Probably my son and a radio.
1: Two good things. I'm still waiting for somebody to say a bottle of rum because it'll probably be coconuts.
0: I need amusement if I'm by myself, (laughs) right? So it's like I need someone to talk to so I'm not there by myself and I need some background noise.
1: What book or movie has inspired you most in the past year?
0: The one that just came to mind quickly that I just saw, which might seem very strange, was the Mr. Rogers documentary.
1: Yeah, I loved it.
0: And not the one with Tom Hanks, right? Because I don't right. even think that's out yet. But the original documentary, I loved him when I was little. And it was just so inspiring about what a happy, positive, helpful person he was.
1: And little did you know he was on a mission? Like, I, Yeah, I didn't, it, it, there, it just
0: was so like enlightening, that movie.
1: Yeah, I'd, re- yeah, I'd recommend it to, to anyone. Last one, what's better? Radical curiosity or attention to detail?
0: Radical curiosity.
1: I haven't had anybody say attention to detail, which makes me feel good because <laughs> I'm radically curious and I'm not good with detail. So now I want to give you the opportunity if you have any questions for me.
0: I you know one of the things I would love to know is why you're working with TopTel now.:
1: One of the things that I realized in the work that I was doing when I started working with freelancers and really rethinking how I wanted to work and how I wanted to live. I mean, it was for me a very personal journey to working remotely was how do I continue to evangelize and have a conversation with people who are trying to figure this out? On one hand, you have companies that are trying to retain and attract some of the best talent in the world to do whatever their mission is. And on the other side, you have this movement going on saying, hey, I, want, I need more control of the way I work, right? Because there's no guarantee that you're going to, like my father did, I'm a third generation company man and my father has a pension, like that world doesn't exist. And so people are saying, hey, I want more control. And so the opportunity to come and work with TopTal and do some of the thought leadership and some of the amazing projects that are on the plate to continue this conversation and hopefully educate and inspire people is sort of an opportunity of a lifetime.
0: Okay, then here's my last question for you. You went to LSU. I did. Did you know any of the Duck Dynasty people?
1: I did not know any of the Duck Dynasty people. I don't think I knew any of them.
0: Cuz you know they all went to LSU, so
1: I would tell you that I knew a lot of people who probably watched the show.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: Wait. <laughs> Michelle, thank you so much for for taking the time and and spending the time with me today. If folks wanna reach out or maybe learn more about the work that you're doing, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
0: They can email me at Michelle at TopTel, 2Ls. Sounds great.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for listening to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Estes. To learn more about the future of work and the transformation of the staffing industry from those leading the conversations, go to www.staffing.com where you can find insights from experts, sign up for our monthly newsletter, and get access to the best industry research on the web. If you've enjoyed the conversation, we'd appreciate you rating us on iTunes, or simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of The Talent Economy.